Mac Power Users, Episode 89, Workflows with Johnny Niddle. Well, hello, everyone. I bet you heard some new theme music. We have a special guest here today with us, Johnny Niddle. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Johnny. Hello. And our special guest is the man behind the new intro music, so we thought what better episode uh, to introduce his workflow than on the debut of the new theme music. I kind of like it. Well, if you don't like it... I really like it. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I really like it. Well, thank you very much. So, as... We uh, we we mentioned in our I guess the the whole behind the scenes podcasting show that we did how we've been using this GarageBand loop which I really like as well uh, as our theme music for well, not quite eighty nine shows now or not quite eighty eight because we had a couple of shows with different theme music and we experimented we really wanted our own theme music for a while and we experimented and we had some really smart people putting together some very talented people putting together some other theme music for us and we just really didn't have the time to do it ourselves that we wanted to put into it and Johnny wrote us and said hey this is what i do for a living and can i help you guys out and it was a very generous offer and David and I looked at some of your stuff and we said oh my gosh this guy's really really good <laughs> thank you very we're not much. worthy <laughs> and, and this gave us a, a dandy chance to talk to somebody who produces music every day on his Mac for his living. That's how he pays for his shoes. So, Johnny, before we get started, just tell us a little bit about what you do. I am uh, mainly a television composer um, with mostly what's called library work. That's what I do, my main gig, my main bread and butter. So I work with uh, mostly with a company named Diamond Mine Productions, and we do the music for CBS syndicated and telepictures. So like Ellen, Rachel Ray, the doctors, Dr. Phil, Anderson Cooper, all those shows. And we just, they need music. We make it. Those are the main ones. And it's, uh, that's really, I mean, I don't know. I've been doing it for so long that to me, it seems simple. <laughs> I know it's not so, though. So how does that work? So somebody comes to you and they say, we're doing a segment <clears throat> on, whatever we need a catchy background loop or a theme song for this thing that's going to be a recurring segment on our show and you come up with it yeah well each show will generally have things they want so they might even know specifically a song that they like um and they'll say we would love to have one like this and each show's producer comes to the guy who owns diamond mine his michael ajitsi he's a great guy probably one of the nicest people i've ever met in my life um that is not kissing butt, by the way. That is the truth. I don't know, because so, it, sounded, it sounded to me like you were, to be honest. No, no, no. I swear. He, he is just an amazing guy. There's 25 of us, and he just works with everybody to make everyone better. It's, it's really it's a good gig. Um, but so they'll, they'll tell him what they need. And um, he goes to a lot of the production meetings for the shows. And then he just emails us and says, hey, what can you do this week? And we say, well, we can do this many. And he goes, great. And he sends you an email with the show and what to do. So whatever the creative is from them. So sometimes it's like something with acoustic guitar. I do a lot of guitar-based stuff because I play guitar. And so he'll say, I need something with uh, strings and acoustic guitars that's dramatic and emotional. And they start to just say, like, it's reflective or it's pensive. I mean, they all have a slightly different feel. And that's really what you get. And sometimes it's, hey, they need rock or they need pop. I don't do a lot of the pop. 
but most of the I do a lot of rock stuff and not too much full orchestral, but then I do a lot of uh, hybrid stuff, so orchestral and electronic elements. So that so the description sounds to me like it's really short. So give me something pensive with strings. Is it is it that short? Oh yeah, that's that is the life of a composer in most professional. I mean, you have people say, "Give me something blue." <laughs> I just and it's it's insane. I mean, a lot of the time they give you a creative of, "Hey, we need this, this, and this," and they don't even mean it, but they don't know that it's um, it's kind of like meta. <laughs> I can't say that term because people might get offended. But there's a there's they'll tell you what they want because they think they have a strong idea of what they want. And they usually do, but describing it is a difficult process sometimes, as I understand. Like, I couldn't, if I want someone to paint me a painting, I might have a hard time describing an abstract thought that I don't actively involve myself with. Well, you know, thinking back, that's pretty much how we interacted with you when you made this theme song for us. You know, <laughs> what Katie said, she wanted rock piano. Is that what you said, Katie? And- yeah, I said, I, I I like Billy Joel. I like Elton John. I like, you know, classic kind of ballad piano stuff. But we really like the drum stuff, too. That We, we really like our current theme. We like the drum stuff, too. And I like the guitars. So good luck with that. Oh, and, and I wanted to make sure that the drum beat was hit in the pocket. That's all I cared about. <laughs> and, and he took those things and made this great song for us. So that was yeah, pretty impressive. It was um, something rock and upbeat, but funky. And I love rock piano. And yeah. I went with it. But it, it helped because you actually s- cited a specific track you liked of mine. Yeah. It, yeah. And um, that makes it, those kind of things make it much easier. Well, another funny thing is, you know, I used to be a, I guess I'd say semi-professional musician, but back in the days when the Honey Drippers were like a big deal, and I played in college jazz band. In fact, Johnny and I had the same conductor for at different schools, which is kind of amazing. But wow, yep. yeah, it's Gregory, well, yeah, it really is. Yeah, so so the uh, Honey Drippers got big, and everybody wanted a like sixteen measure tenor sax. The solo on their demo tape, even if they didn't have a saxophonist in their band. And so I would go out cause I, I grew up in Southern California. I'd go out to Hollywood and they'd pay me like a couple hundred bucks and I'd, I'd lay down a solo track. And I thought I was like it. I just thought I had it all figured out, you know, it, and for session work. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I know. I thought I was, I thought I was making it, you know, and then you just do it for a couple bands and then their buddies here. And then you go out there and I was about 18, 19 years old and boy, I, I thought I had it all figured out. But, but it was like that. They you just go in there and they turn on the red light and there you go. It, yeah, that's, that's basically what it's still like, but at home. Yeah. It's, see, this stuff didn't exist. I, I was telling Johnny offline when I was a kid, I was really into music too. And my, my recording rig was I had this piano and I had two Sears and Roebuck cassette recorders and I would play and record with one. And then I would play the recording and then play the piano or or my sax along with the recording and, you know, ping pong it using two recorders. And by the time I got to like the fourth bounce, the first track was completely gone. <laughs> and uh, if we had something like GarageBand when I was a kid, I don't know where I'd be today. Maybe I'd be the guy being interviewed on Mac Power Users because I was really into music at the time. But uh, it's got to be just great for you having the ability to put together a whole string section to back up something you're doing for the Ellen show, just using your Mac. It's, it's, uh, it's great. And it's also 
too freeing sometimes because overproduction now is a huge problem. Yeah. And you, when you listen to some of the, the film, not, not necessarily the films, but like the trailer cues. So when you go to the theaters, all the trailers before that, the music in those, sometimes people just overproduce a lot because they can. Well, I, I get and tempted they, to do that myself. I, cause I, I don't really play the sax much anymore, but I play the piano all the time and I love Thelonious Monk music and I'm, you know, I'm not a very good musician, I'm, and but I play this monk music. It is so tempting to go in there because I'm recording it through a MIDI signal into my Mac or my iPad to just go in and fix the wrong note or or just move the <laughs> emphasis so it's right on the beat. Well, that that can be okay. Um, yeah, timing is a tricky thing because you you fix timings, but sometimes you fix them wrong on purpose. Well, well, what I find is once in a while I go to the dark side and do that, and I'll just fix everything and get it exactly oh, no. right. Yeah, and then it sounds – it doesn't even sound like a human. Yeah, it sounds no. over-engineered. Yeah. Yeah, it's all of that just to make it sound like you just put it into Finale or Sibelius, and it's just a MIDI thing. Yeah. Well, let's – I think we've we've grown beyond the point of, of David's multi-cassette track recording. Let's Let's talk a little bit about your rig because I guess it's – I would imagine it's quite impressive from some of the notes that you've sent us. So what do you, what do you <laughs> use to do this stuff? We know you're a Mac guy because yeah, you listen well, to Mac power users. Well, I've been spending less and less money um, because Apple has been getting better and better and better. I used to buy Mac Pro towers with G5, G4, G3. Um, but now I, I, I didn't want to get the new Mac Pro when I bought my last computer because it was already old. And I've had this one for about a year. This is just an iMac i7, uh, Stay 16 tuned. gigs of RAM. Yeah, so it's it's not much. Um, yeah, stay tuned because in two days there might be a whole announcement of a new slew of beauty. Hopefully, yeah, we're recording well, maybe, this maybe on, maybe today by the time this podcast is released. Yeah, yeah, we'll we're see. recording this on Saturday the ninth. But yeah, when this show airs, it'll be the day of WWDC. I know. Um, it's like when you when Conan does a show. The day before the Super Bowl, <laughs> it's like it's just. Oh, I guess you can't do that two days before. You don't know who won yet, but someone just won. Yeah. <laughs> so you so you didn't want to wait. So you got the iMac. I got the iMac just because I was looking at the specs on it, and honestly, the the i seven is just screaming fast. Yeah. Did you get the SSD or the? Uh... No, I didn't do the SSD. Um, I don't. The nature of my business, I don't have a whole lot on my computer's hard drive. Okay. Um, so I could have, but I didn't. Uh, don't know why. I just, I think I just was worried about it. Maybe I was, just, I don't know, stuck in the past. Yeah. Um, but it's, I did not get the SSD and it's still okay though. Yeah. Well, 16 gigs of RAM, you're going to be pretty in pretty good shape. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, it's... And so the, for the type of production work you do, I know that the audio is, is taxing. It's not as taxing as video is, but it is taxing on a processor. Um, uh, so how was the transition to the iMac? Did you find anything when you came over that you said, man, it's just not as good as it was with the Tower Mac? No, faster. Yeah. Well, it was, it's it was probably it, faster this, than the old Mac Pro that you had. This, yeah, the iMac, is, it's fast. And I was legitimately blown away. I mean, I'm talking to friends who had their this guys who just had their the last versions, and I'm doing more than them, and I'm on an iMac. It's just it blows me away that there is no tower down by my feet anymore, and 
It's just sitting on my desk and it's no problem yeah. at all. Yeah, when I um when I'm I, I upgraded mine to the to a new iMac about a year ago as well. So I got a pretty loaded iMac. I think you have the same one, but you have an SSD, right? Yeah. And when I used to to burn a movie with handbrake, it would take like an hour and a half for a movie. And mm-hmm. when I got the new iMac, it takes like ten minutes. <laughs> it's I can't get over how much faster it does that math. And then the same thing when I was working on the paperless book, those iBooks author files are, are massive. You know, the, the final book was, I think, 860 megabytes, but the, the working file was over a gig. And on my two and a half year old laptop, it takes forever to get that thing working. Whereas on the iMac, it just screams through it. It, it really is, in essence, a Mac Pro. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So I've noticed a difference. I've got just the very baseline, you know, Mac Mini that's got a. A, a very basic i5 in it. I don't even remember what the specs are on it. It's it's the most recent version of the Mac Mini. Now I've souped up the RAM a little bit, but the processing power even on on that level machine uh, for those kind of processor intensive tasks is much faster at encoding. You know, sometimes I'll send the GarageBand file over to the Mac Mini and let it process for doing the show every day or uh, every week. It's much faster even on that than it is on my Core 2 Duo MacBook Air, which is getting a little long in the tooth now. Yeah, it it's amazing how much more bang for the buck they're giving. And I know people always say how expensive Macs are, but honestly, people with PCs that have the same performance, not I don't care about the specs, but the same performance have paid just as much if not more. Yeah. It, I just helped a yeah. friend buy a, a new computer this week and he was really on the fence about whether he's going to get a Mac or a PC. And you know, he gave me the same old thing about how Macs are too expensive and I said, well, take a look at the specs and then go match the specs on the Dell website. And he ended up getting the Mac because it was cheaper if you matched the specs. Uh, you know, and there's always a question, well, do you need specs at that level? But I like the fact that Apple doesn't make junky computers. And uh, they do have power with the numbers, even on the Macs. I mean, when you consider the volume they're going with, I think they can beat Dell in some ways. Oh, I think they're amazing. I mean, I've been using Apple. I, when I was younger, my dad did a lot of programming and uh, stuff for Boeing and Hughes and back and forth. But he was an Apple since they started almost. And my first one was a 2SE. And before that, I think something before that. Yeah. But And even back then, just every, they've always blown me away and been have been easier to use. And I went to PCs for a while just because, no reason, I don't know why. Don't just forgive me. But um, when I came back, I just don't know why I did it. I came back and I, I felt stupid. <laughs> I felt cheated. The, uh, something interesting about you, Johnny, is you really don't use a, an iPad or a laptop much. I don't. I don't do any. I mean, I my job is basically at home now. And I had a laptop. Um, it was an old MacBook Pro, uh, but I mean old, like 2004, old, old. Yeah. And I used it a lot, but I don't do that many meetings. And now if I go somewhere, I bring a small pad of paper and a pen for notes because I'm not doing – I mean I don't need to write down a ton of stuff. So just – so Well, just especially if they're just giving you, give me something melancholy. Okay, I yeah. got it. Well, most of it's email. I mean, right. almost everything I'm doing is email. So iPhone and home computer. I don't. I, I I'd love to have an iPad, but if I bought it, that's just a bunch of music gear I couldn't buy instead. And I'm a. I mean, I'm a business for self, as most 
well, all independent professionals are, and I need to reinvest. I have to compete against people who are always reinvesting. I just, you know, I just threw away. I had a Roland sound canvas that I bought in 19, it was 19 something. Just so it started with a 19 <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and for years I used it for my piano. I had it like a MIDI controller and I just played the piano sound through that. And, and last year I went crazy and bought myself a Yamaha keyboard that has, I mean, the piano sound is like a million times better. Oh, you should keep both. Keep, keep, keep all of those. Oh. Cause you might want multiple controllers. Yeah. You know, I threw it out just last weekend, so it's gone, but you know, oh. I had a purge. I should have called you. Well, people keep getting rid of them and not realizing that you could have three different controllers and then have each one go to a different instrument. So you can go, well, I want the baseline and I want the strings to be different and do them both at the same time. Yeah, but you know what I do is I play, you know, I play like, you know, around midnight on my piano. Ah. That's, that's my, that's my whole music experience now. I, I'm not, I'm not doing the stuff I used to do. For me, it's now it's just a way to relax. I enjoy it. You know, rarely do I even attach a uh, iPad and record. In fact, I don't. I don't even record on the Mac anymore. Now I just have the uh, the MIDI to USB cable go into the camera connection kit on my iPad and just record into GarageBand on the iPad. Have you seen the Alesis IO dock? I saw it at MacWorld, yeah. and I got very excited about it. But uh-huh. just because I'm so lo- low tech on this stuff, because I don't go very complex on it, I this, the, the gear I have works just fine. But that is very tempting. I think yeah, I think it, Merlin should check that out. He's really getting into some of this stuff. He's doing some great music for those um those ads he's doing for Squarespace. It's impressive what you can get. I haven't seen him. That he's doing the music for the ads? Yeah, he did like a whole series. I'll put it he in the He sings show songs. Oh, oh, was the, I think I heard him messing around. I started listening to the last Back to Work. Yeah. Or no, the King the B, whatever it was called. And he's singing along on there for something. Yeah. I gotta yeah. check those out. He does that. Maybe he'll write music for us, David. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think I think he's having too much fun with his stuff. Yeah. So. so so Johnny, we've been dancing around this and talking about gear. Let's talk a little bit about the nuts and the bolts. But before we do that, um, let's talk about our first sponsor, which is Gazelle. Yeah, you know, Gazelle is uh, going to be something on the front of my mind, and, and I'm going to try to avoid the temptation, but I don't know. You know, we've got WWDC today, the day that the podcast releases on June 11th, and there are lots of rumors of new MacBooks, uh, MacBook Pros, MacBook Airs. Uh, there's, it, we're overdue. It's about time, and my MacBook Air is a little bit long in the tooth. So uh, what, do, what do you do with those, those old computers when you don't know what to do with them anymore? And uh, Gazelle is a great solution for that. You know, they've really streamlined the stuff that they take, and they've got a strong emphasis now on, on Apple products. And specifically, they will take your MacBook Air, your MacBook Pro, your iPhones, your iPads, and they would love to take uh, that MacBook Pro off of your hands so that you can go get a shiny new one. And uh, it's tempting me. What do you think, David? Are you ready for a new MacBook Pro? I, I, I'm ready for a new laptop, uh, but I don't know what it'll be. It could be anywhere between 11 and 15 inches. And really? I could make the case for any one of them. But But Gazelle, you know, they've paid over... $50 million on 300,000 customers. I mean, so that's a lot of money that went back into the system. And when you think about it, it's really responsible because when you've got tech gear, the best thing you can do with it when you're done with it is put it back in circulation, you know, so somebody else can use it. And 
you know, not everybody's going to be, you know, producing podcasts and writing, you know, gigabyte size, size books on their laptops. For somebody, this laptop is going to be just fine. And when you sell it, you're going to get some money back. So it lets you uh, go a little more nuts when you buy the new one. You can get the, the bigger hard drive or whatever it is that you think you need, and you can write it off with the cost of selling it through Gazelle. All right. So go to gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. You pick from the drop-down menus, tell them exactly what you've got, tell them what type of condition it is, and then you lock in your offer. Your offer is good for 30 days, so maybe maybe you locked in your offer a couple of days before WWDC. Maybe you lock it in before the keynote because, you know, kind of like a new car, those things always lose value the longer in time you go, and especially after the newer models are released. Um, so go to gazelle.com, pick your item, lock in your offer, and they'll tell you what it's worth. If you like their offer, they'll send you a box, you ship it into them, and you get paid fast. They can either pay you through PayPal, you can get an Amazon gift card, and if you do that, the gift card will give you 5% more. And, you know, Amazon gift cards to me are kind of like the same thing as cash. I, I shop there so often. Um, and they'll even spring for the shipping. So uh, rather than uh, have to worry about dealing with all of those other things that go with selling used gear, uh, Gazelle is just a painless process, and they will take care of everything for you. Yeah. So check them out. Do it now, because the sooner you do, the more money your gadgets will be worth. All right. And uh, thanks to Gazelle for their continued support of Mac Power users. I went on their website after hearing you guys mention it before. Yeah. And I did my uh, put my phone on there to see what they would give me. I forgot the amount, but when I buy the next iPhone, that's where mine is going. Yeah, yeah it, it's it, a good deal. It, uh, you don't have to deal with all the hassle. I thought my phone would be worthless. All right, back to your drawer full of stuff. Um, you've got a lot of accessories, both you know specifically music-related and then stuff that helps you support your, your business. So uh, I would imagine that storage is an issue for you. Ah, uh, the hard drives. Yeah. Yeah, they're, uh, it's, it's an ongoing debate, too. I, everyone always wonders what they're going to use. Because uh, with Thunderbolt, everybody wants to switch. So we have different storage. We store our audio files. So I record onto, um, two, I record on the client hard drive. So if a client wants me to do a lot of stuff, they'll send me a hard drive dedicated for their stuff. Um, but my default is a Glyph. That's what I usually record to. Um, it's amazing. Uh, it, I just, I don't know. It's the most reliable. And I needed a new fan one time. I emailed them and I had a fan in two days arrive at my door. That to me was just ridiculously excellent. <laughs> uh, which one is it? I don't remember what. I'm trying to see the model, but it's hidden. GT something Q. 50Q? I can't even remember. Yeah, GPT. They, it looks like GPT is a lot of their products. Yeah, GT is uh, this one. It's uh, got it got it 2008, and it's never it, – it hasn't failed. been going since 2008, and I mean going every day. And I just had to change a fan on it once, and that was it. Yeah. Um, now, the glyphs are a little unique. Uh, if people aren't familiar with them. They're not like the traditional you know, Seagate or Western Digital or whatever that you just get and you, you plug in a hard drive. These, these are more meant for professional uses, right? Mm-hmm. They, have a, they come with some circuitry built in that it does stuff I don't understand. Um, and they're also zero downtime. So if, I, if something happens to the drive while you're in warranty, you send it to them and they send it back to you as fast as they can. 
and it's your new one should have everything on it. I believe yeah. they do that still. How how big is yours? This one is only 250 gigs. Um, and I say only because in music that's nothing. Each I mean each right. minute each minute of audio I do most of my stuff is software based and then I don't so I don't print much audio. But if I do each minute of music will run me about one to two gigs. Um, so you're, you're, you're creating several, several gigabytes each week, just of new audio. Uh, and if you print everything, I can explain that later if you like, but if you print everything, it's even bigger than that. So it it adds up really quick and that's only at 48 kilohertz resolution where if I did 96,000, it would be, uh, twice as big. (laughs) So it goes fast. I mean, because when you work video, you just assume it's going to be big, but you don't realize production level audio is those are huge files. Yeah, they are definitely. And then and people who work in film, I mean, some of the scores going on right now. I was watching an interview, and he he said the Batman he was mixing it, and it was a uh, four thousand tracks for audio. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Four thousand. Four thousand music tracks for some of the cues, and how do you track so, all that? They don't. Well, that's a thing. It's not all real audio, so it's also I mean, editing. So you record in sections, um, yeah. and you do subgroups, and then you just keep adding into it and adding to it. And I don't know that that takes. I mean, that's a that's a Hans Zimmer cue he was talking about, and it's a. Yeah, I don't know how you get that high. You know, we we should probably start there before we get too much into your storage solutions. Is what software are you using to make all this stuff? Pro Tools. I use Pro Tools. Um, I know I'm on Apple, and I, everyone Apple uses normally uses Logic, especially for composing. A lot of people use Digital Performer. Not too many. There's Cakewalk Sonar. Digital Performer I used a long time ago. It was okay. But I've been using Pro Tools for well over 10 years, and I just know it inside and out. And I know every keyboard shortcut, and I can't use anything else. I just so can't do it, it. Well, I mean, you don't. First of all, you don't have to apologize for it. you. Use whatever works. Um, <laughs> exa- the, uh, yeah, exactly. But now, so is that common though? Is Pro Tools kind of the choice app for yeah. for the business, or do people yes. is it a mix? Of, it's I don't a, really it's know. the it's a post audio standard more or less. However, Logic has come up a long way, especially because as Apple rised, so did the use of Logic. So yeah. some a lot of music studios have Logic. Um, it's pretty easy to arrange in, but for post production audio, Pro Tools is just a standard, and it's it's so ingrained that I, it'd be hard to usurp the throne from Pro Tools. Digit Design, which is Avid now, so Avid owns it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just Pro Tools is monstrous, and they've had a lot a lot of upgrades to make it work better for composing. So for dealing with MIDI and stuff like that, it's, it's come a long way. So do you, so is that your, like, you know, like a programmer works all day in Xcode. They really don't do a lot of other apps. Is this pro tools for you? Are you just in that app all day? Yes, but it's, um, it, it basically hosts a lot of other stuff too. So I own a lot of third party plugins for it. Yeah. Um, and use those all. It's like the Waves Mercury bundle, which is everything. <laughs> it's too much to go through. Um, a lot of other just native instrument stuff and other libraries. Um, 
got a lot of stuff in there. But that's basically all I use, Pro Tools. I I write, mix, edit everything in Pro Tools in the same session. I don't do any mastering, but I think people misunderstand what mastering is anyway. Yeah, and why don't you do that first? Just explain to us the steps you take. Like, for instance, let's take our theme song. You know, okay. what did you do to make that happen? Uh, well, you mentioned specifically a song you liked. So the first thing I did to make sure that because if someone said, mentions a song, they like the way it sounds. So I actually opened the old session from that song and into a I imported it into a new session with just the plugin. So the uh, the drums I, that was a program called Addictive Drums. And that's what I use to do almost all of my drums. It's very rare I use anything else. Just for drum kits, it sounds amazing. So it kind of so, gives you the same color palette in essence. Exactly. So I wanted to match the colors. And then you said upbeat. So I kept it happy. <laughs> and it was really short. So it, it, I basically I did, um, I think I did the bass line first for that. And then just did, but I knew what chords I was going to do. It's it's weird. I've been doing this so long, just tinkering that when it hits, it hits. Your theme song, I knew what I was going to do in a matter of minutes and had it recorded and ready to start mixing. I think the first version I sent you was after an hour, hour and a half's work. Wow. And that, that was mixing, writing, everything from start to finish. Right. Well, it was it was kind of a, a two-part process and... and- Maybe this is the way that it always works because I know nothing about how this works. But, you know, we, we've got a shorter about 15-second snippet or so for our intro after we say, you know, the Mac Power Users episode number whatever. And then there's the little intro snippet. Uh, and then we have a longer snippet at the end where, you know, we like it to ramp up a little bit while we're talking. And then, of course, it, it kicks out for the end. They haven't heard that part yet. They will in a, few, in a little while. But hopefully, hopefully, yeah, they hopefully. Still hear that part. <laughs> hopefully they stay, stick around. It's worth listening to. So you sent us the, uh, the opening snippet first to allow us to get a flavor. And, and we made some tweaks to that down the process, but you sent us Spared the opening. Up, yeah. Yeah. You sent us the opening snippet first and said, you know, get, get a flavor of this and, and what do you like? What do you not like? And, and we went back and forth. Is, is that how your collaboration process typically works? Because I would imagine you're very rarely in the room with your clients. Yeah, it uh, doesn't usually, you try not to get many back and forth because in the real world, if they've made two revisions, you might have been fired. Um, that's just the reality. This time is so cramped. Every, all the stuff that we own now allows us to do so much that we have to do so much. So um, everybody's time frames have gotten shorter and shorter. So um, normally the back and forth is very minimal. Uh but yeah, normally it, this is a this was a pretty standard process. It's we want something like this, send something that's uh, in that vein. If you're really not sure and you have two ideas, send two. But I mean, you're the professional, so you got to remember send what you think should be sent, um, and then they will make notes. And sometimes they're good notes, and sometimes they're bad notes. Yeah, I would assume that if they don't like it, then you just don't get asked to do it again. If they if they think yeah so there's different aspects if you missed if you have a bad mix that you send in because you nowadays you have to you just have to mix yourself you have to be able to do this on your own okay explain um, what that means because a lot of people don't well so writing writing is simple writing is writing it's just well not simple but writing is just this is going to be the melody this is going to be the chords um 
mixing is after you've recorded it, making it sound good. So making sure that the bass does not wash out with the drums, the toms don't become a mess. Um, making sure the guitars don't sound nasally. Uh, they have enough bite, stuff like that. So just keeping everything in its own spot, making it all feel like it's in the same room, even when it's obviously not because some of it's in my computer. Yeah. I only record the guitars and the bass and that's it. Yeah. Um, so everything else I play in by MIDI and you need to make it all sound like it's cohesive. So you mix where it is in the left, right spectrum, where it is front and back. You mix 3D when it's not a 3D. See, there are tricks, psychoacoustic tricks you can do to make things sound more left or more right and further back or closer. And that's what you do. You you play with the audio as much as possible to make it feel like it was played by a group in a spot, in one specific space. So the, the process of writing the, the music, you know, what the melody notes and what the underlying chords are may not take long at all. And it sounds to me like maybe the most time goes into the mix. Usually it depends if you're, if you're scoring to picture. So for the theme song, for like what I did for you guys or a normal library cue, which is, um, it's wild. You're just, you're just writing. There's no, no, nothing to line up to. Yeah. Um, it's super easy to write. You can knock that out. No problem. The mixing is the hardest part because you need to make it sound as good as the songs that have been mixed for a week by someone paid much more than you. So you need to be competitive with everything else that person hears. And that's the hard part. How do you get, so how the, do you get good at that? <laughs> you be bad for a very long time. It's <laughs> uh, like anything. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's still a big learning process. I Like for your theme song specifically, the guitars drove me nuts. And I, I tweaked them and tweaked them and tweaked them and tweaked them. And they still, they're still resonant in a frequency that bugs me. But they didn't seem to fit anywhere else. So you you place everything as best you can. And then um, try to make it feel right there. Yeah. And that, that's just... It's a long process. Some people learn by working under others. Some people learn by just trying it. I, I just kept trying and trying. And when I didn't understand something, I'd go online and look. There's a magazine named Sound on Sound, which was a huge help. They have these uh, mix rescue sections, and they put the audio files online. And I did that a long time ago, and uh, those mix rescues were amazing. Well that kind of brings us to a, a similar point. If, if you're a, a, a kid out there or, or, or you many years ago, maybe not too many years ago, but you're 12, 15, whatever. And you're thinking, you know, when I grow up and I have a career, I want to make music. I want to make music for TV. I want to make music for movies. What do you tell that kid to do? How do, how do you start oh. at now at that young age to, to get to, to that point? You know, that's the hardest thing because everybody I know that's at, that is where they are, none of us really know how we got here. Um, it was a series of, we call it luck, but really it's just when I met this person, I had this thing ready. When I met that person, I had something that fit perfectly for them. But that, that happened because I busted my 
ass to get everything exactly where it is. Um, spent a long time doing this on the side. So I, I was writing music and doing little music productions and little things on the side in the middle of the night till like 4am and then wake up and go to school. I, I just always tried it. All I could tell them is just try it. Just start doing it. You can read all the books you want. You can do all the stuff you want. You can watch all the videos you want, but if you don't do it, it's a worthless. Yeah. I mean, so luck so often involves massive amounts of preparation. Unbelievable. And you're still learning. Everybody I know is still, I mean, all of the guys, I mean, you're talking about big names. There's, they're still trading secrets and talking to each other. And it's amazing. The stuff that you learn that you had no idea you didn't know. Yeah, we, yeah, I didn't really cover this earlier in the show, but how did you get to this spot? Because, like, if you were playing, you were playing in the same guys I did in jazz band. I mean, I never was anywhere near what you're doing with this stuff. I mean, how did you get there? I started off. Uh, I started off playing guitar, um, junior high. Thank you, Metallica, for that. It was uh, Injustice for All. Song was Dire's Eve. Made me play guitar, but. I I had a knack for it. It was really weird. So I heard that song and I, I was a young kid when it came out, but I heard it and I had to, I had to play it. I had to. So my brother's friend had a guitar that he would always leave here just because I don't know why, but he did. Thank God. So I kept playing it and, and I went out and bought some tablature books for ride to lightning and just Metallica stuff. Yeah. I was, I was like 11 years old. Now I'm 32, so a little while ago. Yeah. Um, but it, was, it just learned it. And the weird part was, in about a month and a half, I could play all the songs. That I mean, not not. So you definitely had well. some natural aptitude. I mean, not everybody right. can pick up a car, guitar and start playing Metallica after a month. No, it. But it, I, I wasn't playing it well. But I understood it and I had a grasp. And I think that's what it was: was getting the mental hold of everything was a big deal. And then by the time a year had gone by, by the time I got out of junior high, I could play all their songs, all the solos. So I, I was a little metal shredhead that also loved jazz because Joe pass is my favorite guitar player. Oh, excellent. All time. Excellent. Yeah. Him and Ella Fitzgerald together were just, it's unreal. Yeah. And so then I started tinkering with that. Now definitely did not master that. That's a whole nother ball game, but that got me into the jazz uh, along with my grandpa, he got me into it. And when I went to college, I decided, hey, I'm going to play in jazz band. So I went and I auditioned for um, the one band at Fullerton Community College and the Cabana Boys, which was their little combo, fusion jazz combo. And I got them both. I don't think I had much competition, but I don't think there was any. <laughs> <laughs> I think the audition was me. And I was, I was um, playing up the street at Cal Poly. Yeah, you play for you play for Greg Wall. Yeah, you you finished ten years almost exactly before I started playing for him. Okay, exact same guy. It's so weird. Yeah, but yeah, and then I played for him for a bit. We did um, a jazz tour in Europe, Montreux and North Seas, and that stuff it was fun. Came back and I stopped playing for a while, and then I started playing again, and I went on the road with a friend's band, just little U.S. thing, nothing big. And then I came back from that and I just kept writing. And then um, I started a MySpace music page for absolutely no reason. I don't know why. Maybe my ego got a hold of me and I started one. 
And some guy messaged me and said, Hey, uh, do my music. I'm like, excuse me. And he said, yeah, I'll pay you. Yeah. For money. Said, okay. That's the first question. Yeah. <laughs> for, you're going to pay me to do this. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and he, and he paid me and then kept paying me. And then I kept getting paid for stuff. It, it just, every time I got a check from anybody, it still feel weird. Like when I get a check, I just, part of me says, I can't believe you did that. Why did you pay me? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I feel like a fraud. Like, why do you pay me for this? Yeah. I'm at home. <laughs> I'm just playing my guitar at home and I get paid for it. And then from there you went to the t- television and movie stuff. Yeah. I started, uh, I worked with a friend to start a music library called, um, smash house music. And then, um, we partnered with a company named levels audio and we started one called levels music group. And that one did pretty well. That got us quite a bit of exposure. And then I left that and came back to Fullerton, uh, sick mother. She was sick for a long time. Um, but came back to Fullerton and here I just hung out and relaxed and rested my head for a bit. And then I went up and had lunch with a guy named Dean Ogden up in LA. And, uh, he introduced me to someone else who owned this new music library, Diamond Mind Productions. And I started working for them. It's really, it, it's just a series of conversations and honestly putting myself out there just randomly. I just, I had MySpace music and somebody heard it. And making a good product. Well, I, thank you. I, I, that's just, yeah. I mean, you do what you can, but if you don't put it out there, no one will ever hear it. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about your, your setup and, and how you use all your stuff, but we probably should take a, another quick ad break and uh, let, let's, oh. uh, Let's talk about our, our second sponsor for this show, and that is Hover. And uh, I love Hover because Hover makes domain names very simple. Uh, all you do is you have to go to Hover.com. You can go to Hover.com slash users and save a little money uh, and type in what you're looking for. If you're looking for Johnny's music, if you're uh, looking for David's jazz, just type in a topic or if you know specifically what type of domain name you want, type in the name of the domain name you want. It will it will do a search for the domain name, or it will come up with some suggested alternatives for it, and it will say, do you want to buy this? So that's, I've got this, I've got these other alternatives, and you click and you add it to your cart, and you're done. Hover's not going to bother you. They're not going to try to upsell you a bunch of other stuff. You're going to get free uh, domain privacy on all of your domains, so somebody can't look up your domain and you know stalk you and find out where you live and all of that other stuff. And then they're not going to bug you again until it's time to renew, and then they'll send you an email and say, do you want to renew? And if you don't, then they're going to leave you alone. It's not going to be like some of those other domain services that just nag, 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 nag. If you've got a domain with one of those other services and you want to move it to Hover, they've got some awesome online tutorials. We need to find out who they did their tutorials with. And they'll show you how to do that, to do all the steps you need to move your domain to Hover. Once you move your domain to Hover, they will extend your registration for an additional year so or however long you sign up for. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I just renewed with my other registrar. I don't want to lose any time, so I guess I'll have to hang out with them for you know another eight months or so until my contract or my domain name hosting is up. You don't have to worry about that. Hover is going to take care of you and make sure you don't lose any time. And if you don't want to hassle with that, just pick up the phone. And they will take care of everything for you. They've got domain names. They've got private registration. They'll manage the DNS for you. And they've got email as well. Yeah, you know, I had never bought MaxBarkey.net. 
Really? Yeah, I don't know what was wrong with me. And just the other day, it occurred to me I'd never done that. So I just went on, on Hover, typed it in. It was available. Paid my 15 bucks, And actually, I got a, I got um, a 10% off because I put the Mac Power Users code in. You don't have to just go to Hover slash Mac Power Users. You can put it in at the end of the transaction when they're asking for the discount code. And uh, I'm set. You know, it just took 15 minutes. I hate those other services where you go in and they get really creative with the dialog boxes where they say, well, do you want this additional service? And the dialog boxes, they switch the yes and the no on each successive dialog so you box. you have to pay very close attention yeah, to I see mean, if you screwed it up. Yeah, if you're, not, you know, if you're not looking at it like you're doing brain surgery, you're, you buy like another $50 worth of stuff you didn't want. Um, so I, I love it. Uh, Hover's great. I switched over long before they became a sponsor. And I'm a big fan. I, I had like five years purchased for MaxBarkey.com, and it's no problem. Now I have six. You know, I moved it over. They gave me an additional year. Great sponsor, and really just a quality company to do business with. If you do anything that involves domain names, you know, another thing I'd recommend you do if you have a kid, you know, a new baby, go buy the domain name for the kid's name. You know, do it yeah. now. I wish my parents had done that. Yeah, no, mine too. I don't know what they were thinking in 1968. I mean, I'm sure it was available. (laughs) I'm sure it was too, yeah. So, anyway, uh, check out Hover.com. We appreciate their support of Mac Power users. I'm buying David's Jazz for the record. Oh, are you? Oh, are you? (laughs) I got to buy that. Okay, I will send you a, a, a terrible MIDI version of Ruby, my dear, that I recorded, and you can put it up. <laughs> do it. You should uh, send me yeah. somebody. We'll do it. Yeah. Katie right. can sing on it. Yeah, yep. that's good. Uh, so let's let's hop back a little bit in, into your workflow, and and we started to go there. We talked about some of the some of the tools that you use, um, and one of the things you were talking about is, is all the hard drives that you use and how much space this stuff takes up. Are you are you archiving and saving everything that you do, or, or how long do you keep this stuff? Because I would imagine that you have people come back to you and say, "Hey, you remember that project you did for me six months or a year ago? I want to expand on that, or I want to do something similar." But you can't keep everything with the types of of, of sizes that you're talking about. Yeah, you keep everything. <laughs> you do you, keep uh, everything. All right. How do you do. deal with well, that? A lot of people do. Some people don't. Um, archive is one. Uh, so I record onto a hard drive and then mm-hmm. I have a thing called gobbler, which is a, Oh my God, lifesaver. It's, it's new, but it's online backup. So while okay. I'm doing all I this, heard of it, that one. gobbler.com. So it's, Oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's a lifesaver. It's uh it helps me for backing everything up without even knowing it's going. And then it also helps for finding old things. So, it logs all of my hard drives and then I open its user interface and type in a search. I just go type in a name or something about that project. It tells me which drive it's on. But so I don't have to go find the drive. I don't have to go through them all. I could just say, um, I need to find this session. He goes, it's on drive C. Okay. Go grab drive C and there it is. It tells you the full file path of where it was. Yeah, and, and it looks like it, Gobbler specifically caters to audio professionals. It, they do. However, they're making their way to uh, video, I believe. But they have, um, you could back up photos, videos. You could back up technically anything. So if I create a folder and create another folder in there called audio files, anything I put in that will be backed up by Gobbler. It's kind of a cheat. <laughs> I don't use it that way because I have enough stuff backed up. 
without cheating, but they're mm-hmm. they're amazing. Um, it backs up everything. So, are you actually backing up your data to the cloud, or are you? Is it just keeping track of where your data is backed up? Because I see they do have cloud plans where you can it's backed back up. up. Yeah, it's backed up. I have um, so it's running right now. So, as we're doing this, and I'm recording my audio in Pro Tools, mm-hmm. I uh, I hit I just I stop the recording for a second and start it back up, and the set the audio files I've already recorded are already backed up while we're still oh, okay. going. So okay. you can change it how aggressive it is, but I have mine set up to always go because Pro Tools can be a little finicky. Hmm. It can they're, it can crash and freeze a lot. They're pretty funny. I'm on their plans page, and they're like, you know, you get 25 gigabytes for eight dollars a month, 75 gigabytes for fifteen dollars a month, but if you want a terabyte and up, the cost is let's talk, and the level of support you get is the CEO's phone number. Yeah, you really do though. You really do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, um, at the last NAM convention, I was talking, I met all of the guys over there and the CEOs there, a super nice guy. And they're just, they're really nice people. I talk, um, I've been with them for a while, just using their stuff on the beta and working with them, just giving feedback and stuff like that. And one guy over there, Andrew Reinfeld, I talk to him all the time. They're just, they're really good people. That's a huge plus in this world in general nice people make everything better so are all your your backups online or do you keep any local backups besides what you're actually working on at the moment uh local backups too so just hard drives that sit but a hard drive like an engine if you let it sit when you turn it back on much later probably going to be dead so Mm -hmm. if it's really important stuff um then you could put it onto dvds uh, so you, you save a copy of the session that you finished, put everything in it, open it up to make sure it's really a copy that functions and burn that to a DVD and, uh, keep it on there. Yeah. That's such um, an important step on backup that people forget is they make the backup, but they never test it. And oh. you, yeah, you don't want to discover the backup failed after your, your source data is gone. Absolutely. It's a nightmare. Or something's missing. Some stuff. There, there are settings where you cannot copy certain parts over, and if you don't copy that over, you won't know if you don't check it, and you won't know until you can't find it. It's, so, so yeah. is Gombler common with the uh, in your business? It looks like you know it's really a, a music focused online storage new. system. It's very new. Um, they've only been going for. Oh man, I've I've only had it for. Well, it's been months, but I can't remember how many. <laughs> I think, like, I would say about six months to nine months, maybe. Yeah. But since they've been out, it's just changed my workflow and made me so much more relaxed. Um, before, if it was a very important session, it would go Dropbox or Box. Uh, you could do servers, and you could do, um, there's a thing called Digi Delivery, but that's more for sending sessions. But now... I could send my sessions through Gobbler and I can send individual files. I can send mixes. I can send whatever I want straight from Gobbler. Now, it's, how would your, how would your software workflow and backup in essence uh, change if you're working on a motion picture? Uh, audio for film, they have machine rooms. So if you actually, uh, you can see pictures. A lot of places will have pictures, pictures of their machine room on their sites. Cause it's, you're talking about, Tons of servers. So Avid has, um, oh, what's it called? Media. Oh, God. 
it's for their audio. They have complete server solutions just for the audio for um, film and the video for movies. Cause those, those things get insane. I mean, they, they take days and weeks to render if they're doing effects. I mean, they're the sessions they have are Johnny. Did you ever listen to the David Wayne workflow show we did? He was talking about, I'll put in the show notes. Uh, he was talking about how in the, the whole motion picture business, the trouble is everybody's in their own little universe and there's yeah. really no common language for everyone to talk about. Uh, do you run into right. that with the stuff you do? Yes and no. Um, they're dealing with, uh, cause they, yeah, they're using a media composer or final cut. So they're either doing avid or Apple. Whereas in audio for f- music, um, no one really cares what you're in. Cause we're not sending, we don't collaborate on sessions very often. And if you do, they just send you a file, just a f- finished file of whatever they are doing. So if I need someone to sing on something, which I almost never do, they would just, whoever the sings would just send you a file, of their voice they recorded. Okay. If they're not in your studio, if they're in your studio, then they'll record it there. But you can hire people to just record whatever. Um, and they'll send you the file format you want. So you say, I need a 2448 or some people just want 441. They'll send you an audio file that you just put it right in. So you're not really sharing the full session with all the plugins. That gets messy. When yeah, that so- has to happen, you you uh, print your effects. So let's say I do a vocal with a bunch of delays and weird stuff on it, but they're very uncommon and very specific effects. I'll I'll make that a new audio file. Um, so someone else could have it and not need my plugins. Yeah. So it's almost like flattening an image before it goes in. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You you try to do as much of the future proofing as you can. And does that also happen in Pro Tools? Uh, you can. You can you can bounce things or print. You can bounce. They don't do real time. Uh, this is going to get confusing. They don't do real time bounces. So I print to audio files in the session. I print mixed stems. So I could, I'll bus all of my drums to a separate group audio track and I'll call it drums and I'll print the mixed drums down. So that drum file, they don't need to have all these SSL emulation plugins or just weird, whatever. They don't need to have all this stuff. They just have the audio finished. And, and so the, the lingo you're using, they're using two words, print and bounce. So print right. printing is the process of taking multiple elements of an instrument and basically pressing it down into one track that you can record, you can put out to an audio file, correct? Yeah. Right. Bouncing is kind of the same thing, but when people say bounce, they usually mean just putting it into a, a new folder somewhere on the computer, where it was when you're printing, you're typically printing it to that track or to a new track in your session that you're going to use in the session. That's what I use it for. That's how I say and it. And then what is the audio format for that print? Um, depends. If you're bouncing, you could do basically anything. But when I print, I just print whatever I'm already doing in the session. Almost every session I do for TV is 2448. Uh, that's usually what they want or lower. Okay, explain that now. 24 bit rate at 48,000 samples per second. Okay. Sorry. No, no worries. I mean, it's, it, it is confusing. I, even I don't understand it sometimes when I start getting into any level of complexity. So that's really not the highest bit rate. Isn't there much higher rates? 32 floating point. Um, but no one, it's not many people ask for that. Okay. Uh, 24 is fine. 
And then, and do they do they further compress it for use in production? I mean, do they use that big file when they get into their production workflow, or does it get further compressed? You it depends on what it's for. For a television show, you're going to send them stereo mix downs. So you'll send a full, kind of how I did yours. You'll send the full mix, and then however they want it. Usually they'll want simpler mixes going down, so they can edit back and forth between them. Um, so they just put them all on the same starts start point, and they just pick which how how full of a version they want. So they want all the instruments going, and then dialogue comes in. They don't want the lead anymore, so they switch to the next track and use that part where there's no lead. And then a lot of stuff happens, and they just want the drums and the bass, so they switch down to that version. Or if it's orchestral, they might just want the strings. So you give them strings, winds, brass, a percussion, big booms. Like the the low frequency stuff, yeah, and all that stuff is printed from your plugin, so they don't have to have all the. Uh, I'm giving a finished mix, yeah. I'm giving them finished finished songs, basically, or cues that are mixed, ready to, ready to go. They can all they have to do is they have to just put it in their session, and then they they ride the faders, so they adjust the volume around dialogue and action on screen. Yeah, and they don't do that in Pro Tools, right? They do that in They they do. Oh, they for do. post for post um the post cuz that's so that's going out to a post house. Yeah. Uh the post house is just mix all of the production audio and music and they do the ADR, so they do the dialogue replacements there. Yeah. They'll do all of that in Pro Tools usually. Okay. You- Not every studio does, but almost every uh post house I've seen is Pro Tools. So, for instance, somebody doing your job with Logic, uh, would they be able to bounce out the tracks in a way that the uh, the post house could, could access them? Absolutely. Um, broadcast wave format. So it's most people just see it as wave, yeah. but there's wave and broadcast wave. Broadcast wave just has a longer tail and has more information, so more metadata. Um, broadcast wave is what you give people. I didn't know that. Now, yeah, it's broadcast wave or wave. Yeah. Most people don't know there's a difference. And I, I, if I didn't read on it, I wouldn't know there was either. (laughs) So, um, it's just, you export that. And so normally I just give them a stereo interleaved file, which means it's the same file. It's similar to what you would get on iTunes, but a lot better quality. Gotcha. Sure. So it's just how you get a stereo. It's a self-contained. Here's your audio, and you drag it in. You can do AIFF, which just different format. And that, that, but that's broad- always been described to me as lossless AIFF. Is that a fair? Lo- the, well, the, the, that depends well, are on what AIFF and Wave fairly similar in terms of quality? And they're both they're both really good quality. That's right. I mean, that's it. Those are the two formats that the great stuff comes in. Uh, it's it's um, kind of like raw for music, you know. There's raw fo- format for photographs where it doesn't throw out a bunch of data. Isn't that what AIFF does from for audio? This throws out nothing. That's why. Um, so when I create a session, if I want, I could do ninety six thousand or one ninety two. That's that's how many times per second it's going to take a picture of the audio. And so, if I do those, the file would just be huge. But that means you're not going to be able to hear anything gone there's a 
yeah, so there's it is lossless. Like nothing comes out. It's not compressed. It's not being changed. I'm my sessions at twenty four forty eight, and what I'm giving out is twenty four forty eight. If I have to do one that's at twenty four forty four one, which is forty four thousand one hundred samples per second, I will create a session at that, or else I'll create one at double, which is eighty eight point two kilohertz, and um, then they can like you can do what's called folding down. So when it when it takes the samples out to make it smaller, it's taking exactly half. So you're you're losing information that still makes it sound really good. So you know what occurs to me as I'm listening to you talk about this is is in order to make it in today's business, if you're going to be a television or film music guy, is you have to be a geek. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of computer stuff going on in addition to the music. It's almost everything computer. If you don't, and I am one of the least geeky people I know. There are some people who have no idea about the computers that they're using. Um, that's pretty rare. Most of these people, this is it. I mean, you work on a computer all day, and a lot of these successful people are making their own stuff. They have they hire programmers to make their own sample players. They make it to their own plugins, their own instruments for the computer. I mean, they hire people to create their own sample libraries. You could do it yourself. You can create your own instruments in contact. You you do it yourself. Um, it's a very geeky time, which is good. But I mean, that it's similar to how it used to be back in the day for Ray Charles. There were a lot of engineers, yeah, um, and so they made their own consoles and made their own the, the two track, the four track. These were made by someone who just said, "Hey, I want something better. Can I do this?" Same thing with music now. People doing music going, well, I want this. Can I do it? And so they do it. It's That's really all it is. If you're not a geek and don't understand what you're talking about, then you're going to have a hard time communicating with another person who is has no idea. And some of the people you work for don't know. And if you need to understand what they're saying and then understand what they really mean, even though they don't know. It's the same in every aspect. You need to know what to give people because if they don't know, you have to educate them, and you have to educate them only if you understand. Well, it, it sounds like the times are really changing, and the people who do the type of work that you do aren't employees of studios or in employees of of composers or employees of filmmakers. They're all independent contractors now. They're all consultants, and they all work for themselves. So. I do want to talk to you a little bit about how you run your business and how you consult with others using your Mac. Uh, mm-hmm. But but maybe before we do that, David, we should probably talk about our uh, last sponsor for the show, and that is the Omni Group. And I know, David, that you want to talk about their latest project, Omni Plan for iPad. But before we do, I want to say congratulations to Ken Case and to everybody at Omni, because it was a couple of years ago, not all that long ago, when the iPad was introduced, when they threw out the gauntlet and they said, all right, group, iPad or bust. We are going to have all of our apps on the iPad. We are going to make this work. And I think it was at Macworld a couple of years ago where they had these 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 paper and cardboard mock-ups of iPads. Nobody had put their hands on an iPad yet, but everybody was speculating on how this would work. And the team was already hard at work on figuring out how they were going to design user interfaces and how they were going to port their applications to the iPad. And they've done it. Uh, it's a couple of years later. 
It's 154 total app store submissions later, and the entire Omni product line is moved over to the iPad. And they didn't just try to copy the desktop experience. What they've done is they've taken all of their applications and in a very thoughtful way figured out how do people use these applications and how can we make this a unique and and sometimes uh, a better experience depending on what you're trying to do on the iPad. And I don't think OmniPlan is any exception to that. No, they really reinvented their apps for the iPad. And OmniPlan is the new one that's out. Uh, I use it all the time. And people ask me about that because I don't work with a, a large group of people. I'm not managing a big construction project with you know 50 subcontractors. Uh, most of my cases, it's primarily me. And I have some people helping me. Uh, but I find OmniPlan is an excellent tool for overall project planning, sitting down at the beginning, you know, figuring out how much time I have, whether it's a litigation or a, or a large transaction, to make certain things happen. And just by taking the time to map it out in OmniPlan is, is really like making a contract with myself that I'm going to have this piece of the project done in the next three weeks. And I review those regularly. The other thing I do is I send them off to my clients and let them see them. So now I'm, I'm really putting it out there because I'm saying, okay, by then I'm going to have this much of the project done. And if I don't, then I've you know, let somebody down. So you know, I'm- I think that's so helpful, not only for you, but to the clients, because so many times clients have unrealistic expectations in terms of how the fast the court system moves or how, how fast things are done or what timetables are. And you can lay it all out, and not just in our business, but in every business. And you can lay it all out for them in OmniPlan and say, look, you know, we've got a trial date here. This is where we're starting here. And these are the steps that we have to take. And these are the timeframes that it takes to get from point you know, point A to point B, and and this is how it's going to work. So you don't need to call me every day to see what's going on with your case. Here's a here's an outline that shows you exactly what we're doing. And and OmniPlan just is a gorgeous way of doing that and giving it to them, and it's very professional. Yeah, well, so much of what we do today is about information, uh, accurately conveying information between two people or organizations is what makes the world go round. And OmniPlan is an excellent tool to do that. Now, they've got this new app out for the iPad, OmniPlan for iPad. They put me on the beta, so I've been using it. I don't like I know. It's been so hard for you not to talk about it accidentally in the show. We've had to edit some stuff out. Yeah, because we've been talking about it in ad spots in the past, and I, I, I trip into it because I just use it so often. They, it's using the OmniSync service, so you put it together. You can see it on your Mac, and you can see it on your iPad. And you just pull it out, and you know, sitting at the for me sitting in a client office, I can pull out the OmniPlan and show them where we're at currently in the whole process. And with my clients, I mean, most of the people I deal with a lot of you know they're not huge, massive corporations that are in court every day. For some of them, it may be the only time they're ever in court, and it's it's scary. And this process really helps me share with them where we're at, and where we're going. And, and I do this through OmniPlan. I'm going to do a big post on it at Max Barkey. I've, I've written half of it. It's just not quite there yet, and things have been really busy in my life. But I, I'm going to show everybody exactly how I do this uh, soon. Uh, in the meantime, uh, take a good look at OmniPlan. You can get the uh, sample for the Mac. Just download it from the, uh, Omni, uh, from the Omni Group website, and that gives you a 30-day demo. You can also buy it uh, for your iPad. And Omni Group has a refund policy. If you, if you don't like it, if it's not going to work for you, they will refund. I mean, I, I spent my $50. I bought OmniPlan as soon as it came out a few days ago, and I 
I think it's money well spent. Um, so if you're interested in using OmniPlan for the traditional means of project management, this is a great application to do that. In fact, I think it's probably the best on the Mac. But you can use this stuff for other things as well, and that's where I'm at with this. So take a look at it. In fact, write me if you are using it for some creative uh, use. I would like to hear other people's uses for this stuff as I start looking into it deeper. Yeah. Uh, OmniPlan for the Mac is $199.99. As David said, the iPad version is $49.99, and all of their products do come with a money-back guarantee. You can learn more about that on their site and learn about all their wonderful products over at omnigroup.com. And uh, congratulations again to everybody over at Omni for this uh, great milestone on their iPad or bus bandwagon, and thanks for allowing us to be a small part of it with your support of the show. So, Johnny, let's talk about the business end of things. Um, well, being yeah, first, no, not first, that business end. No, yeah. The first OmniFocus <laughs> is my yeah. alter. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, my, my, my right computer screen, I, I would take a picture of it, but I have to blur out almost everything on it. My right computer screen is full. It's a next, it's a next action list context by project. And it, it's, it's my right screen. Uh, review every morning that is i don't know where i'd be that has made me a better person a more productive person and a more relaxed person you know it's funny because right now there's kind of a debate on the internet about creative work and gtd and um, i read that i read that yeah i think i don't think is yeah david i think his name is david lee and he wrote a post that that got a lot of people thinking and and you know he's a programmer he said hey you know i GTD doesn't work for me. It gets in the way for me doing creative stuff. And, and you know, he makes some points. But for me, I've always felt that having the ability to get my act together, and GTD does that, really frees me up to make time to write books and do creative stuff and play monk music. But, you know, it, it's an interesting dialogue. I'm really glad he wrote it because it's got everybody talking about it. Um, but you're an example. So you use... OmniFocus and I guess by impact GTD stuff um, yeah. to to make it happen. Did you use OmniFocus to set up individual tasks like prepare the drum loop for the Mac Power User Show or or no, how I don't, deep do you go? Don't mic I don't micromanage on things I don't need to. Um, it's a uh, I can't remember who wrote this. Someone just wrote about that this concept too is you create or oh, maybe it was in the David Allen book <laughs> I don't remember but you create lists until you don't need them. Yeah. So repetitive tasks, like you don't have to write a task to brush your teeth. Hopefully. I mean, you write the tasks you need to not forget, but some things you won't forget. So if I'm talking to somebody, I write down everything either with a pad and paper or through NVLT while I'm talking. And, um, after I'm done, I go into OmniFocus and I put everything into the related project in order. So if I have to change some EQ things and take out a certain note or do things like that, that that's an ordered thing in the project for that cue. But I don't write down mundane. Like I don't, I don't want to see more than I need to. It's like, that's just weird. I think a lot of GTD has to do with how you interpret it um and how you write it down and how you do context so my my context are split into person place and thing and then some random things outside of that but 
I try to break it down so it works for me. And as far as being creative, it works for me. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Everyone's different, but it works for me perfectly. Yeah. And, and I think that's the point is when you get into this stuff, the point is not to spend your time managing your tasks, but to spend your time accomplishing tasks. And I just find this GTD system is a, is a great way for me to, to get there. But yeah, you know, it's not the only way. So, you know, well, use whatever works for you. I needed help though. When I bought it, I was, I, I was, uh, well, I got the demo and I tried it. I'm like, well, this is a little confusing. And then I, I gave it a little more, a little more gusto, a little more fervor. And then, um, I, that's how I found out about you was your ninja videos. Oh, oh my really? God. My girlfriend thought I was insane. Cause I, I sat there and watched all three in a row. <laughs> now I don't know if anyone knows, but I think that was three and a half hours or so. I, it, I don't it, even it, know. I think it was 12 hours. I'm pretty sure. Uh, they were, <laughs> I think it was, it was 12 uh, days. No. Yeah. It's a lot of word count. You should have just transcribed know. that, and there's a book. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like a lot. Of, you know, it was one of those things where people kept asking me about it, and I would give them a little talk, and then some friends would call me, and I'd be on the phone with them for an hour, and I, I said, you know, I could do a post on this, but this isn't something you can really write up. This is something where you need to screencast it. And right. And I told uh, Ken over at Omni Group, I said, hey, what do you think about me doing this? And he said, great, please do it. You know. And he says, well, how long is it going to run? And I said, oh, I think, you know, an hour, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and then I, I recorded all the stuff for the capture session. I think that was like an hour and a half or something. I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, I drastically underestimated how much time this was going to be, but I was really pleased with the way it came out. And it's funny how many people have found us through those, those videos. Yeah. It's just those videos. And then after that, it's to simplicity is bliss. And I could go yeah. through the list. It, it, it's just, I have a list of, of Google reader things that are just based around that. Yeah. It's a great app. It makes, it makes me warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that helps you. Um, so what other tools do you use to get the business end of all this done? QuickBooks, QuickBooks for Mac. Um, I love it, but I hate it. So I love it because it's amazing. and does everything, which is a little overkill for most of these parts, but overall it's really good. I don't like that for Mac, for some reason, they have no sync system in place. No idea why. All the PC ones, you can use a great, a great third-party things, all these neat little plugins, neat little apps. Not for Mac. It's um, so time tra- yeah, it's so funny. Everybody we talk to says the same thing. They, they like QuickBooks, but, man, they just don't really support the, the Apple line very well. It's that one. It's it. QuickBooks. So you're Quicken or QuickBooks for Mac? It, that right. there, there's your choices. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well there's like, okay. other stu- there is other stuff out there though. There are some pretty good alternative products out there, but, but it's just that Quicken and QuickBooks are so universal. And, right. and it seems to me like the, the CPAs of the world, and I know I'm going to get email on this, but they really, you know, they know that software and understandably don't want to spend a bunch of time learning something else. So, right. they, you know, when you sign up with somebody, they say, Oh, do all your work in QuickBooks. And then I'll be your CPA. But if you give them something for some other program, it's going to be, they're going to have trouble. Even some of these uh, uh, competing developers will give their software away to your CPA because they know these guys need to learn it. But uh, there's like a stranglehold that, that Quicken and, has. And it seems more and more even Quicken, or, or Intuit, I guess, 
is trying to move more of this online with their acquisition of Mint and QuickBooks Online. You know, a lot of people, although everybody seems to be comfortable with online banking now, you know, maybe aren't as comfortable moving that type of stuff online. But, you know, I guess if I had to do some of this over again, I, I might go the online route. Yeah, they have the QuickBooks on. They have the online QuickBooks. I just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. (laughs) Online is great for some things, for other things. There's always that hesitation, isn't there? Yeah, and I like having, it's just the app is right there. And if my internet goes down, I'm not going to go to a cafe to, well, I guess I could use other things, but I'm not going to go somewhere else to go QuickBooks. Yeah. And I, I mean, my invoicing is from, it's just, it's easy. My time tracking is from there. I used to use billings from Market Circle. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's lack of play. Quick, the billings pro, I guess, works for QuickBooks, but I don't need the pro on because I don't have a team. Um, it's just me. So I just use the QuickBooks built-in thing, which is called MyTime. It's free if you own QuickBooks. Probably free if you don't. But the only what I don't like about that is with billings, I could just add a slip on the fly. And I could do um, flat fee things much easier. Whereas QuickBooks, it's a little more of a hassle. Um, and you have to create an item in um, the items list and then go do all this funky stuff and then update the lists in my time, which is just, it's annoying. <laughs> That's the best way to say it. It's annoying. So, so in your business, do you guys charge generally by the hour or is it just uh, per project? It depends on what you're doing, but no, normally it's per project or per minute. Yeah. So, because it, it really depends. If someone says, "I'm guessing per uh, minute," you mean by per minute of, of produced music, work, right? Yeah, final correct. produced work. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you, you do a package because a lot of this. Stuff, I don't know. David and I bill per minute. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> hey, at the price you charge per hour, you basically are per minute. You're just making it easier for the math. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just seems easier that way. I wait. I just lost my brain. Just gave up on me. Oh, oh yeah. Package deals. So normally, just say what do you need, how many minutes of music, um, and then you draft up a contract. Contract, contract, contract. I can't state that enough. People are afraid to do contracts. I don't know why. If you're afraid to give someone a contract, why would you trust them paying you? I don't know. If you're afraid to give someone a contract, there's something deathly wrong there yeah or even the, what i tell clients is if if someone is going to say well why would we need a contract then you really need a contract yeah trust me no i'm not going to trust you i don't know you and some people i do trust but it's just the, the reason for the contract in my mind is it's so clear it defines because there's a lot of misunderstandings that happen when you don't have a contract um like and, and it also so, seems to me just i guess this is put the lawyer hat on for just a minute is that creative people in the creative field have this hesitancy to do contracts and they don't want to, they don't want to feel like they don't want the client to feel like it's all just about the money for them. And people in the creative field get screwed so often because of that. Oh my God, they do. It's big time. It's, it's a common thing. And the sad part is a lot of the industry, you can't, if you don't get paid, you can't do anything about it usually. You could sue, but you'll never work again. Yeah. <laughs> so it it's just, it's like a car. If you don't do a contract, as the composer, you look like a car salesman because then you're asking for things after. And if they say, okay, well, I need this, this, and this done. And you go, well, that's, that's not part of this deal. They say, well, why not? Because in their mind, everything they're asking for is the same thing. In your mind, it's not. But you didn't tell them that up front and you didn't educate them 
on what you're going to do. And so it really is your fault at that point. Well, that's why you need, you need an Omni plan. That's it. Yeah. See now, (laughs) well, no, I, I, I'm, I was looking at it. And one thing in particular about Omni plan that I really like is the, uh, plan from reverse date. Yeah. That's new. That seems like one of the, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I, that's, I might, I might want to get it. I don't know. I might want to buy Omni plan, even though it's just me, that plan from reverse date is a big deal. So like, when do I need to start something? All right. So, so tell us, Johnny, what else do you use on your Mac? We've talked a lot about, uh, you know, pro tools. So what else do you use to, to get your work done? Um, well, there's notation programs, but really I do most of my notation by hand. Uh, God, right now I can't think. I know I told you guys a ton of stuff. Oh, here we go. Okay. So just in general, right? Yeah. Or just music. Whatever. Just tell us. Okay. Alfred, Alfred app is amazing. You know what? We're going to, we're going to do a show on that. Uh, okay. We're going to so much, so amazing. I I'm sorry. It is so good. Yeah. The, Cause I, I used it for a month and I really thought it was pretty good. Uh, I, I still use launch bar. It's kind of my thing. Cause I'm, it's just second nature to me. Right. But I think we're going to do a show where we're going to have both Quicksilver, Launchbar, and Alfred. We're going to have somebody in for each one to talk about, you know, what what makes them great. But there's a lot of good launcher apps now. Yeah, the Alfred app is just I didn't know Launchbar existed until I knew Alfred app existed. Yeah. But now I just hit Control Spacebar anytime, and but with the uh, the Power Pack, oh my God, sending files, finding files, it's just. And then it got even better with one password as part of it. Yeah. I just hit, uh, so I hit control space, one P space, and then type in my bookmark from one password and it opens it up my Safari through one password through Alfred. Yeah. Uh, that's just, I don't it's know. Nuts. That's meta, meta, meta. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I love it. They, these guys on the Mac can just fly with, with those kinds of tools. It really is. And then, um, like, one thing I do is uh, with NVALT and OmniFocus, it's all about shortcuts. I'm sorry. It's all about keyboard shortcuts. Because if I have NVALT open while I'm typing in a note, so wait, this is what I do. So, control space, NV, return. Now NVALT's open. Type in something, new thing, command shift R. It shows me that note in the finder window. Control Option Command C, and now I have it at that note as a new task in OmniFocus. Yeah, like so, it's just I just typed ten different keys, and that's all of that. It's done and to browse all of that and find that. No way. Yeah, no, 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 not going to happen. Every time you you pick up the mouse, you just it's like throwing a big roadblock at your brain. At least for yeah. me, I think you should have a coin dispenser on the mouse, and every time you touch it coins fall out I think, and you just lose that money. I think you should have to put coins in every time you touch the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> just have it be big. That, yeah, it's uh, Alfred app is just a huge help it, for me. And it's an interesting paradox because as the iPad grows in popularity and iOS and even the Mac OS starts to go towards that simplicity, uh, you know, and people love it and people who had so much trouble with computers before are just digging the iPad and making so much happen you are slower. I mean, there's just no way around it. Like the, the, the workflow you just described to create a new OmniFocus task and set up a project in NVALT with five or six keystrokes, it's just not possible to do that in the iOS. 
Yeah, and I don't have to go through one finder window. The only one I need automatically popped up, but I don't touch anything. Yeah, and I'm always torn on that because I, I really do like the iOS. And I like this direction. I love the fact that people are able to use this technology that never could have touched it before. But I'm also a little sad to the extent that I think as we go into the future, I wonder if we're going to still have those hacky kinds of things that us geeks get so excited about. I'm not really sure well, where it's heading. Who wrote about it? Was it you or Gruber? About Someone wrote about the um, Jobs old quote from D-Conference about getting away from finders. Uh, I'm not I sure. Was, it's, it, I think Gruber linked it. It's been making Did the he? rounds. I'm not sure who yeah. started it. But, the, uh, yeah, I mean, he – and that, that makes sense with everything we you know, know about Steve Jobs is he was always about simplifying it. And I think in some ways that was his genius is he realized that normal people wanted to use computers. Uh, but – and Apple's certainly heading that direction. But at the same time, it is pretty nice being able to, to put together the Alfred and the Envy Alts and all these kinds of things that we talk about. Yeah. It, it, it's too good to be true sometimes of how well this all works. Yeah. Yeah. So, Johnny, what other little gems do you use on your Mac? Uh, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, uh, you sent me an email <laughs> to download and I said whoa what is this you sent me an email to download you put together this this big file and, and you zipped it all up to download it, all the deliverables you called it uh, for our, our Mac Power users theme song right and I thought it was really cool and very professional you know a lot of people would just send a Dropbox links which is great that works really well but you sent me this link and it was to cloud.yourwebsite.com and it definitely feel free to plug your website if you want and I was like huh how do you do that and, yeah. and I guess I'm not on this cloud app bandwagon. So what's that all about? Some company out in Spain, um, but it's really cheap. It's, it's for the pro. It's free to use for however big. But then to do the custom domain, it's uh, I think it's five bucks. Yeah, so back up and tell people what it does, though. It is like a Dropbox. So it's a little thing that sits up in my menu bar, um, and I can send pictures to it straight from like. Uh, the iPhoto. There we go. iPhoto. Okay. You could you could send stuff right out of iTunes, but you could drag whatever you want and just put it on this little cloud, and then it generates a link, and you email that link, and someone goes. It directs someone to the download for that online. Okay. Um, really weird, oddly straightforward and simple, but helpful. And as I wrote to you in the email, I hate sending links to people that don't state my domain name because I hate getting links that look like they're fake. Right. Yeah. I, I hate it. It, it. Even, even if it is, has a domain in there, it's just after all the phishing stuff we had to learn a long time ago, everything is just suspect now. <laughs> so I paid for the upgrade um, and I can put my own custom domain. So you go to your domain registrar and you put in, um, I can't remember what it's called, an A name or mm-hmm. there's some word for it. And you put whatever you want and then it becomes that dot your domain. And then the ones I sent to you have a really long tag on the end because everything I send up is uh, is secure. Um, well, if you have a link, it's not secure, but it, it's secure. So if you do the public links, then they're much shorter and they look a little more friendly. But I don't care about friendly. I care about not just being downloaded by anybody. And is that how you generally deliver your product? 
I deliver how somebody wants to, and if they don't say anything, then that. Yeah. Some people. Um, there's another site called WeTransfer.com, which is terrific for free online sending. I hate you send it because if you get an email from you send it, it's hideous, and there's a lot of just clutter. Uh, there's another one, Fire Transfer, something something else to do with Fire, and when you get the emails from them. There are spam links all over it that they put there on purpose. And it's just, why would you, if, if someone I was paying sent me a link to something in my email that had spam or clutter, I'd be mad. Yeah. So I, I don't want to make it confusing. I want to make it simple. Here's a link. Click on it. Here's the file. Do you ever use so Dropbox? This is, a, this is a separate I have box. a Dropbox. Yeah. I'm sorry. So this I, this cloud app is a separate block of space that you can use to transfer files. And then at some point you use it up and it starts rolling over, or you start deleting stuff, or it's not like you're FTPing up to your own website. Not FTPing, correct? Um, right. I do, 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 do how much space do I have from them? You know, I don't even know. Uh, I could look, but th- yeah, it's, but a, it's a lot of space enough that it doesn't matter. I the Dropbox I can do, and I've sent stuff through Dropbox before. Um, but I hate it. Not hate, but I don't like one thing about it, which is I have no idea when someone else has downloaded it. Yeah. Or or looked at it. Whereas Cloud App has a little number next to it, and if it's been looked at three times, it shows you a three. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, just just talking to you about it, I I just download it. I'm in. You know. Yeah, it's terrific, and it's so cheap to pay for it too for the upgrade for more space and for the uh, custom domain that I. I had to do it. Yeah, cloud, six months of Cloud App Pro is twenty five dollars. That's what. Yeah, it's super cheap. Right, and we talked about your website, but this is you know being oh. a being Johnny your own RK. business RK. person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. This is like your public face to the world, and this is how you, we we got some links to to your stuff to say, hey, we really like this, we really like this. How do you how do you manage all that? Uh, Flavors dot me. It's um. You mean to? How do I maintain my website? Anything. Yeah. Um. Well, the hmm. Well, the website I have through the Elephant Killers company. Okay. Um. But the, actually, I'm probably going to switch it to Hover because I. <laughs> I've heard you guys say it so many times, and they're next, huh? <laughs> I think the. But I've heard Hover so many times from your show because I listen to all the shows. So. Every sponsor you guys have, I just hear over and over, which I've bought <laughs> quite a few of them. Daisy Disc is sitting right there. I use it every week now. Yeah. Um, but so many of the sponsors you guys have, I've, I've gotten Hover. I looked at the stuff, and I like how simple it looks. And uh, the other one is so convoluted that I think I'll be switching anyway. But anyway, so I use Domain Registrar, and then I point that to uh, flavors.me site that I pay for. Um. And that lets me integrate my SoundCloud and my Vimeo, my YouTube. They actually, you can integrate a lot of stuff. It's insanely cheap too. The uh, website host is twenty bucks a year. Wow. Yeah. And your site <laughs> looks really good. Yeah, that's just me being quirky. I could actually have it look like a normal site. Well, I like it. Um, I like it quirky. Don't change it. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I tried changing my quirkiness, but to no avail. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's twenty bucks a year, and I just love how easy it is to put everything else in there. So, putting up uh, demo reel videos, snap. 
like I mean, really, it's just a snap. I just tell, I, I log into flavors.me and I say, connect my Vimeo or my YouTube, but I use the Vimeo instead. And uh, it does, it just puts it up. And then I go to my SoundCloud, say, connect my SoundCloud, and it does. And I could have it show all of my songs, which are too many. I need to, I need to trim down my SoundCloud badly. Or I could have it just show the sets, which is how I have it set up. So here's my action stuff. Here's some horror stuff. Here's just some normal songs. It, it's terrific, though. Flavors.me. And the service is really well. Like the, the customer support. I've gotten... I've had two things, and I emailed in both times. I had a reply in a day. It was the same person. It was really cool. Well, Johnny, I got to tell you, I uh, I was really impressed with how quickly you did this and how you made something really great with me and Katie telling you things that don't even really jive together, and you still did it, <laughs> <laughs> and you managed Thank to put you. it together. And uh, and I've always wanted to talk to someone on the show about all the stuff you guys do behind the scenes to make this music, and I think it's... Uh, it's really nice of you to come on the show and, and share all this with us. I got to give you more links to put in the show notes, at least, because the, the caffeine app and Snapper and our name, those, ha- and those have to get known by other music people. It's fine. We could talk for hours about this, but then the people start getting angry at us. Well, you know that, that one guy who complained unsubscribed, so we don't have to worry. Oh, good. Good. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to worry about it anymore. That makes it a lot easier. Then let's keep yeah. going. Okay. So tell me about Snapper. Uh, Snapper is, um, I think it's by AudioEase. I already forgot. But it just, when you open a Finder window yeah. and you click on an audio file, it just pops up beneath the Finder window and it shows you the audio waveform. And you can preview it through that. But you could also just highlight a section of it and drag it out to a new spot. And you can create the fades in and out right there. Um, and then you can convert it. So let's say I did a bunch of uh, wave files that suddenly need MP3s, but I don't want to open up Pro Tools or SoundMiner. So I just, in the finder, say you convert to MP3, and it like drag out MP3s. How come I never it's heard a, of this app? I'm looking at it right now. This is great. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's seventy bucks. Yeah, well, seventy nine. Ah, okay, eighty. So that's that's one of them. That's that's just super quick and useful. Caffeine is another one which is free. I use that that's, one all the time. Oh my god! And in Pro Tools and audio in general, you're working for a long time, and sometimes you're you're listening back to the mixes looped so you're you're sitting away from the computer and it's just playing audio for five ten minutes and you're not touching it you don't want it to go to sleep or if you're recording bands or whatever if you're recording audio you don't want it to go to sleep or monitor rest in the middle of your recording yeah so you just turn on caffeine computer doesn't go to sleep turn it off and it will go to sleep so simple yeah that one's Um, in the mac app store too yeah and it's free i think it's free right yeah yeah it's free uh Let's see our name, which is a battery namer, but there it's not updated anymore, so I don't know if it's easy to find. But I it's freeware too, so if you do find it, don't feel guilty, just grab it. And what do you use that for for filing? That is a file renaming program that's uh, just a batch renaming for a Mac, but it's very simple and it's free. So, how now do you have to rename often for, for the music production? Yeah, I do. People want their own file format names. When I, because I, how I print in Pro Tools, I export my audio straight out of Pro Tools. So I hit some keys and it sends that file that's highlighted in my session out to the Finder as something new. Um, so, but the names that can be there can be pretty, pretty 
complex. But now, how do you do? You have like a naming convention you use for audio file. I, mean, I never even thought of that. But for music, you'd probably have to be pretty particular. You do, uh, but it depends. So it's on clients. Um, I have different libraries I write for and different clients, and they all want specific file naming structures. So I have a whiteboard on my wall that has each client, and it has their file names, and it has like certain codes. So it says this person wants, like right now. It has the codes for the FTP folder, so I put it in front of the name for which show it's for, um, how my initials go, how to name each mix down. Um, another one, they want to have a mailed DVD afterward. They want it at 24441. This one wants a 2448. Someone else wants it at 1648. You can't remember all of that? Yeah. So you write it down on a whiteboard, and it's on my wall. So I just look to my left and go, oh, yeah. And then I have a small whiteboard that sits at my feet, leaning against my desk, that has uh, the current projects. And just just because you work on so many different things every week that you forget what you named a song yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. So you, you write down the cue names um, of the sessions so I can find it. What app do you use when you have to FTP? I use Transmit. Yeah, that's the best one. Mm-hmm. Those, those little uh, drops they have, the droplets. Yeah. I actually put them down in my uh, dock. So I have right to the left of my applications folder is a stack of droplets named for the show or client. And I just, in the finder, highlight the files and go down, drag it on top of that stack. The stack expands and I just drop it on top of the correct droplet and there go my files. Nice. So when you're sending something peppy to Ellen DeGeneres, you just (laughs) drop it there, right? Yeah. (laughs) You just, just drag it onto that and, that's for uh, telepictures, so they all get together. But like, uh, so Doctor Phil, yeah, the doctors. But yeah, um, just right to the droplet, right there. Super simple, love it. And then, bum 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 bum, OmniFocus. I use Do App, but that's more just for my morning rituals. When I start my oatmeal, yeah, every morning, well, you- I hit Do and I walk away. My on my phone, I don't have that the Mac app because I just don't need it yet. But the phone. I don't like thinking about things. Yeah. Well, that's the point of these computers, right? Right. Absolutely. Is that, I think, man, that's a lot of stuff I gave you guys in that email. <laughs> that's, it's cool though. I, I think it's interesting because you're, so you're using the music tools, but you're also using the basic uh, productivity tools to keep up with this. Yeah. You're a business. You are, uh, you're, you're marketing, advertising, um, HR, you're everything. And people forget like, so it's, you just, you need to be on top of your game as though you are a full company. I mean, you can't walk into uh you can't walk into like a Dunkin Donuts and have them be confused about what time donuts are made. I mean, you just, it's just, it's just how it is. It's you're a business. And frankly, you're in a very competitive business. Yeah. And if you don't continue to produce, then you're out of business. You forget something. They forget you. That's yeah. That's it. That's what somebody told me when I did the studio work back in the almost the eighties. They said, Hey, you know, it's great, but if you screw it up, it costs something like, I don't know, so many hundred dollars a minute for them to be running the studio. So you'll never be back. So just don't oh, screw up. Yeah. <laughs> if you screw up in an orchestral session for a film, you're costing them six figures. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and and if you don't have, depending on the contract, you could, there's, there's insurance for composers because if you mess up on certain things, they'll come after you for the money. Yeah. And if you screw up a film release date, they're coming after you for what they lost. And and you'll never get another gig. 
Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> but no pressure. No, because it's just music, right? There's no pressure. Exactly, it's just your just your life. <laughs> Is there anything on that I missed? No, I think, list? I think we got them. Cool. This was fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where, where can people find you? Where do you Where do you want us to send people? Your website, your Twitter. G- oh, give us the rundown. Website's fine. Johnny, so it's J O H N N Y R K dot com. Johnny mm, R K. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Very simple. Just my last initials and my SoundCloud. Everything else just direct to that. Yeah. The Twitter, I don't really do much with. I have a newsletter. I don't update it very often because I don't write something unless I have something very worth saying. Those are the best newsletters, mm-hmm. the ones that only come out <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, I, I can't thank you enough for this music. I really oh. like it. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and, and compose this for us. So I'm looking forward to getting together with you and talking about stuff that we have in common. And, yeah. Uh, and thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, thank you both. This has been an honor. Yeah, and if they stay tuned, they're about to hear the best part of it in just a few seconds here. Uh, but we want to tell everybody where they can find all of the great links to everything that you talked about in our show notes. You can find those at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Oh, 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 and we should mention, I don't think I mentioned this at the top of the show, David, um, but it, it is possible that with WWDC that there might be the first ever Mac Power users after dark? Is that possible? Yeah, you know, we make a point of not talking about news on the show, but we're both very excited about WWDC. And uh, if things are interesting Monday, we're going to record a quick show and drop it in the after dark feed. So you can find that at the uh, 5x5 website or whatever your podcast, podcatcher app of choices. Yeah, go to the 5x5 website, and the information will be there either on the 5x5. And I don't know if we'll have one of those fancy uh, Mac Power users plus After Dark feeds because, you know, we don't do this very often. Yeah. So well, we'll see. Anyway, we'll see. Go che- we, might, we might start doing it often. Go check it out. Um, uh, but we're also on Twitter. Uh, you can find the show at Mac Power Users. I'm at Katie Floyd. David is at Mac Sparky. Yeah. Johnny, you don't want to promote a Twitter? Oh, at Johnny RK. But if you go there, don't expect it to be great. I usually just say what month it is. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm dead serious. If you look for like the last seven months, it's June. It's May. All right. Well, also thanks to our sponsors, Omni Group, Gazelle, and Hover for supporting the show. Yeah. And uh, the next show is going to be the promised meeting show. I've already got a nice outline put together. I've got some great comments from listeners. If you've got some thoughts, get them in. We're going to talk about why meetings suck and uh, how you can use technology to make them a little bit better. Yeah, 37, 37 signals rework. That's why meetings suck. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy the, uh, the new uh, theme outro music. Thank you again to Johnny for uh, joining us on the show and for the excellent music. And we'll see you all next time.